0: Thank you. Well, it's so good to be together uh, today. I just want to welcome those people who are watching online. You know, there's some Icon people who actually, uh, well, always people who are on holiday or away, who, who watch on their sun lounges on the beach or whatever. They watch the service live. But some people have had to move away for their jobs, and this is now their church, because they didn't want to leave Icon Church, and, uh, and so they now watch on, online. But also we have people, new people in our services, new people in all our locations, and uh, new people watching online. So why don't we welcome people... Who are new? You're so welcome. Then uh, you can take your seats. Uh, As Gavin says, we're in part uh, two of our series. And again, this series is going to be in all our locations, Derby, Sheffield, and uh, here in Chesterfield uh, for three weeks. And uh, it's called You Are Not the Underdog. And we've been looking at the story of David and Goliath in a new way. And actually, next week, I'm going to dive back into looking a little bit at Goliath and seeing how, in fact, uh, our enemy, maybe, is not as powerful as we think. Some insights into Goliath that are pretty new and pretty interesting. But last week, we, talking, we talked about bringing your boldest self to your biggest challenges. And this week, I want to talk about the law of desirable difficulty. Or your biggest challenge could be your greatest breakthrough. Your biggest challenge could be your greatest breakthrough. And then next week, as I've said, your enemy is not as powerful as you think. Your biggest challenge, though, could be your greatest breakthrough. Yeah. Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David, the shepherd boy, 1 Samuel 17, 32, 3,000 years ago. Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. When we think about the law of desirable difficulty, it makes me think, really, you know, is difficulty ever desirable? You never ask for it, do you? You never want it. You never invite difficulty. Give me some difficulty, Lord, in my life. Can a difficulty really be desirable? I recently read about five entrepreneurs who suffered with dyslexia. And these entrepreneurs, many of them said that they actually attributed a large part of their success to having to overcome that disability and work with that difficulty in their life. Lord Sugar, as you'll know their names, I'm sure, Anita Roddick. Richard Branson, Jamie Oliver, and Imvar Kamprad. I know you've got all his albums. Um, He is the founder of Ikea. And many of those said that actually it was that difficulty in their life, that challenge in their life, that made them successful and developed something in them that they feel that they would not have had without it. They were then asked a follow-up question. Well, would you want your children to have it? Would you want your children to go through that difficulty? Because it's produced something positive in you, something that's resulted in something good in you. And they all said, no, we wouldn't want our children. We wouldn't wish it on our children. But it is the reason we're successful. Other studies have shown that people actually can often do better when things get harder in life. I mean, we're Brits, aren't we? We're known for resilience, You know, that stiff British upper lip that we actually tend to come together and we actually stand together. I mean, we're not all Brits, but, you know, if you are British in any of our locations today, you know, but we stand together when things get difficult. We're known for that. Uh, There's a famous... survey of some famous studies actually by a lady called carol dweck a harvard professor and uh, it's written in her book called mindset where she talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a set mindset and she talks particularly around children they surveyed 400 children and uh, they actually rigged the um, test somewhat so that some of those children would actually express a growth mindset it was all to do with applying effort and trying in a certain situation as things got harder. And, and the other s- set of children, it was about having a set mindset where this is who I am. I can't really grow. And this p- puzzle, this problem, this difficulty, this challenge is too difficult for me. The set mindset and the growth mindset. And it's obvious that the children who did better were the ones who had been set up to have a growth mindset. I want to share with you three scriptures this morning because the three scriptures that I think talk about this in our lives, some which might be familiar to you, some are quite familiar if you've been around church a lot, and I don't want to presume that we all know them, but you don't have to be around church too long before some of these scriptures you hear over and over again. The first is probably the most popular of the three, it's Romans 8 and verse 28, and it says this, and we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose so many believers followers of jesus hang on to that verse when they're facing challenges and it's it, you know it's super popular it'll be posted hundreds and thousands if not tens of thousands of times today on instagram and social media people will have it as fridge magnets on their fridge people some people have got it as tattoos on their arms not me i don't have any tattoos yet anyway <laughs> Romans eight twenty eight. That, that verse doesn't tell us that everything that comes, God sends, but it tells us in everything, God works for our good. And therefore, sometimes when we face difficulties, because God is at work, that can be something that produces good in us. What about 2 Corinthians 12 and verse nine? This is the apostle Paul and he's got something happening to him. He's got some difficulty in his life. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. Theologians have argued for centuries what the thorn in the flesh is. Some have said it's an illness. It's a sickness in his body because he says in the flesh. Some people say it's just, it's opposition that he's having. We won't get into that. We haven't got time. But the point is he asks Jesus to take it away. And in the verses before, the verse I'm going to read, Paul says, I asked the Lord three times, Lord, take it away. I can't cope with this. this I'm, I'm past my limit. You know, have you ever felt like that? Paul felt like that. You know, it's too much for me. And, but it says here, but he, Jesus, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. What I love about that is that Jesus says, no, I'm not going to take it away, but I'm going to be with you in it. And not only am I going to be with you, my grace is going to, you're going to find grace in it that's going to be with you. Grace speaks to us of an enabling that comes from God. It speaks to us of support, that my grace will be sufficient for you, that I will enable you to bear this, but I will support you in your bearing of it. But also it speaks if God is enabling and God is supporting, that he is present with us. My grace will be sufficient for you. And my power will be made perfect in your weakness. Not only does God say, Jesus, say to Paul, I'm going to be with you and you're going to find grace for this, but he says, you're going to see my power at work in it. I'm not going to take it away, but I am going to show you my power. You're going to find that there's a might and there's a strength that doesn't come from you, but actually comes from God. My power will be made perfect. It feels to me like we've got a choice that, you know, we can rely on ourselves and our own strength and, you know, there's nothing wrong with us and there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with your strength. There's nothing wrong with your intelligence. There's nothing wrong with your wisdom. But the thing about our strength, intelligence and wisdom is it's limited. And yet God says, you're going to know my power in this. What a great promise that we can actually rely on God, on God's power and God's grace. And then the third one is 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. I love what Paul says in this verse, how he puts it. And again, he's talking about the things he's been going through. He's been talking about how he's been persecuted for preaching the gospel. He's been talking about how they've tried to run him out of cities and even tried to kill him. He's talked about how he's received the 40 lashes you know, three times, and, and people have tried to drive him out and kill him and persecute him, put him in prison for his faith. And he says this, 2 Corinthians 4:17, "For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all." You know what I love about that verse is that Paul says, "Yeah, there's all these troubles, but they're achieving something." He's got a growth mindset, hasn't he? He's got a spiritual growth mindset that he says I might be going through some stuff. I don't really want to go through it. I didn't choose it. I didn't even see it coming maybe, but actually it's going to achieve something in my life. And whatever you're going through today, whatever I'm going through today, I believe God's at work. His grace is sufficient. His power's with us. And it's achieving something in us. What if our biggest challenge could become our greatest breakthrough? Let no one, Lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David, the shepherd boy, 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, 3,000 years ago. Uh, David talks about losing heart. And I explained last week how the Philistines were from Crete and they came into Israel and Judah. And they were on the west coast and they settled by their cities. But their purpose was always to come and take over the Israelite nation. They wanted to head east towards Jerusalem, take the capital city. They wanted to take over and have this land as extra land for themselves and build their empire. That was their purpose. That was their goal. And so they came from Crete and they landed on the west side of Israel and they were moving east to take over Jerusalem. That was their purpose. They thought Israel was easy pickings. After all, Israel, it was not really a fighting nation. I'll talk to you about that sometimes. In battles you see in the Old Testament, Israel doesn't do much fighting. It's God who fights for them. But anyway, that's another sermon and another story. They're not really a fighting people. They've been slaves for 400 years. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years eating manna. And of course, I told you last week, manna means what is it? Have you ever been to a restaurant and had a look at your food and thought, what is this? I remember, I think it was the first time our family went to uh, Greece and the, the person who um, uh, owned the hotel where we were staying, the, the place where we were staying, I said, we want some authentic Greek, where can we go? His name was Spiros. He said, go and see Spiros. I said, well, I thought you were Spiros. Apparently, everybody was called Spiros. Anyway, he told us where to go. We went to this restaurant, and we ordered food. And and the food came out, and it was put in front of us, and it was put in front of our children. And my middle son, Josh, said, he shouted at the top of his voice, eight chips? Is that all you get in this place, eight chips? Oh, I was so embarrassed. But the Philistines are coming. They're heading east. They want to take over the nation. They see Israel as easy pickings and uh, not as a fighting nation. This is going to be easy. And so they're on one hill on the Elah Valley and Israel is on the other hill. And they decide to fight by sending their champion, Goliath, into the valley and calling Israel to come and fight. And 40 days, 40 nights, Goliath goes there. And what happens in that valley is Israel begin to lose heart as this nine foot nine giant stands and defies them. Somebody said that I should put a child on my shoulders just to see, because like if I do that, I'm six feet, I can just make six feet. If I can put a child on my shoulders, maybe I could get to nine foot nine. We'll try it next week and see, see what we do. But look what happens in that valley. Look what happens to Israel as the giant comes. I'm going to read verses 11 and 24 of 1 Samuel 17 And I'll probably read verse 10 just to give it some context. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul, not just the Israelites, but the king. And all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. But then what about verse 24? It says again, Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him with great fear. See, they were losing heart in that moment. And David comes and says, let no one lose heart. I shared how for 32 years we've pastored this church and we've walked with people as they face their giants. We're walking with people today as we face our giants. We faced our own giants, Jeannie and our family. And people have faced all kinds of giants over those years. Sickness, emotions, relationships, employment issues, addictions, guilt, failure, fear all kinds of things that people face in life that is just human it's what we face as human beings things within our families things within our extended world and every time we face a giant the giant's purpose is to fill us with fear to give us dwindling confidence and low self-esteem that's what goliath that's what the giant wants to do but david says let no one lose heart Let no one lose heart. When he says no one, I love that because he means everyone. Let no one, all the people in the congregation, all the people in Derby, in Sheffield, all the people online, anybody who's hearing the word of the Lord, let no one. But when he says one, that's you and that's me. It becomes personal. Let no one, that's everyone, but no one is personal. It's me, Paul, don't lose heart. Whoever you are, whatever your name, don't lose heart. To lose heart is to give up your confidence, to give up your faith, to hand over your boldness and to hand over your joy. And I really believe the joy of the Lord is our strength. And God wants us to be able to know joy, even in the midst of situations where we're facing our greatest challenges. Why is Israel running? Because their hearts are failing. And their hearts are failing because they're filled with fear. And I believe that fear's greatest entry point is what we hear the door of fear into our life is what we hear or what we listen to. What we hear in our lives. Every day for 40 days, a.m., p.m., Goliath would come out. I defy the armies of Israel. And I believe that's true in our lives too, that it's what we hear. And is spoken that often creates fear in our life. Our own speech sometimes, the speech of the world around us, our group. It can be so negative. It can be so discouraging that often what we hear creates fear in our life. What people say to us. Social media, too. What we hear through social media. And you can hear something by looking at something, too. You know, you, you were happy before you read that post. Yeah. Well, or is that just me? Yeah. Like, you were doing great. You were happy. You were filled with joy. You were getting on with your life. You couldn't wait for what were you going to do in the next 10 minutes. And then you read that post. Oh, I'm I'm glad it's not just me. Or you read the comments on that post. Or you saw what this person was doing, that suddenly you heard something that actually produced fear in your life and actually destroyed your joy. I believe God wants us to be a people who know how to keep our joy in the midst. That our biggest challenge, but what if our biggest challenge could be our greatest breakthrough? See, we talk about David defeating the lion and defeating the bear and that giving him the courage and the confidence and the resolve to go against Goliath. To be confident as he was. Let no one lose heart. I'll go and fight. You know. And, and even when he faces the, the giant Goliath, as he's running into that valley, he says to him, I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air. You know? and, and he's got this incredible confidence. But this would not be his biggest challenge. His biggest challenge would come years later. It would come when he realized that the greatest giant in his life was himself. Because years later, when the kings go to war, he would be on the roof of his palace and he would see a beautiful woman bathing. And he would think, I need to have that woman. And he would have that woman and he would sleep with her. And that woman would become pregnant. And then in that moment, David has his biggest, he realizes his biggest Goliath is not the giant he fought in the valley. It's the giant he's fighting in his own heart. And then he thinks, I've got to cover up this sin. And so he calls the woman's husband back from the battle and says, go, sleep with your wife. But the, 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 the woman's husband realizes he's going back to fight. And so instead of going into the bedroom, he sleeps outside. And he doesn't sleep with his wife. When David hears of this, he's afraid. And he loses self-esteem and he loses confidence and he panics. And he thinks, what will I do in this moment? He's facing his biggest giant himself. I'll put him on the front line in the battle. And David puts the man on the front line of the battle and the man is killed. What happened to David was he lost confidence. His greatest battle was with himself. This wasn't just 40 days of a giant coming out and saying, I defy the armies of Israel. This was the whole of his life he would battle with who he he was. And this incident, this one incident that I've talked about with Bathsheba actually caused David to be in a difficult place in his own life for over a year. For over a year. He loses heart. He has low self-esteem. He has dwindling confidence. Even though he's the king, he gets in a very, very low place for at least a year, maybe longer. So much so that he has to cry out to God and he says things like this. Do not cast me away from your presence. Don't cast me away, God, from your presence. Against you and you alone have I sinned. Please do not cast me away from your presence. He says this to God. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He has to cry out to God in desperation and say, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And he says, God, sustain me with a willing spirit. David, who said to Saul, do not lose heart, has lost heart. And yet, we find that his greatest challenge also became his biggest breakthrough. And I want to say today, you must not lose heart. You must not lose heart. You are too important to lose heart. You are too important. You see, I believe that even spiritually, you can have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. You can have a mindset that says, spiritually, well, I've been following Jesus for 50 years, That's it. I'm done. Or you can have a growth mindset that you're never done in the kingdom of God. There's more to do. There's more to see. There's more to believe for. There's more to go for. I love it when it talks about Abraham and the heroes of faith. It says this, all these died in faith. In other words, they had a growth mindset. They didn't just settle and say, oh, thank God for what he's done. Thank God for my history. No, they had a growth mindset. They didn't get themselves into a position where they thought that was it. That's how it's going to be from now No, they had a growth mindset that says, God's got more for me. And I talked a little bit about this last week, that it's much better to ask what, not why. That often when we face our giants, we ask why. Why am I facing this? And it's human. And we will ask that question and we will be concerned. Why? But it's far better to ask what. God, what will you do? What are you doing? What will I learn through this? Just thinking of that verse again in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 17 that I mentioned earlier, let me read it again. It says, for our light and momentary troubles. When you read Paul's list, they're not really light and they've been going on for some while. But he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. I love that Paul would say that, that actually what I'm going through is achieving something. And I want to encourage you today that what you are going through is achieving something. There's a what. There's not just a why, but there's a what about what you and I face in lives. So as I I kind of draw this to a a close, it's a long close. So (laughs) as I draw this to a close, I want to tell you about a personal giant that I faced and I'm continuing to face in my life and how I've had to approach it. Some of you know the story. I'm not going to try and go over too much old ground with this story. But in 2017, I went to Rwanda and I came back and was ill. I had a disease that attacked my heart and I flew back on the Saturday. I went into hospital on the Monday. They just thought I was having a heart attack, just the heart attack. <laughs> they just thought that was happening. And so they put me on the heart attack ward and, uh, because that's what they thought was happening. And I am so grateful to God for a nurse. She was actually a Christian nurse. But this nurse knew there was something else going on. And she kept pestering the doctors. She kept pestering the people and said, you need to look at him. There's something else going on. This isn't just, the, the, what we're doing isn't, isn't making any difference. And uh, eventually a consultant came and see me, to see me. And as soon as he saw me, they rushed me into ITU. They hooked me up to several machines and I was being kept alive. I had um, seven, seven lines into my jugular vein, just pumping stuff up to keep me alive. And I, I was in ITU. Um, but something happened in ITU, and, uh, and that was I was healed. I, I felt something in my body physically. I felt the power of God in my body, and I knew I'd been healed. In fact, I was so convinced that I'd been healed, even though I was still ill and I was still in, 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 a, in a difficult state. I was so convinced I tried to discharge myself. I did. I tried to discharge myself from the hospital. I rang Jeannie at five o'clock one morning. I said, Get me out of here. I'm leaving. And she said, you can't leave. I said, I can leave. And then her and Nathan ganged up on me. And I said, no, I'm leaving. I'm going. I'm going to recover at home. And they were, the hospital were telling me, you can't recover at home. These machines are keeping you alive. But I knew I'd been healed. The only reason I stayed in hospital was because of Dr. Oye Wally. Where is he this morning? Here he is at the back. He came, to, he came to see me and he was the voice of reason that I listened to. <laughs> And had it not been for him, I'd have tried to discharge myself. In fact, in the middle of the night one night, I just took off all the things. Obviously, I couldn't pull the stuff out my neck. But I just took off all the, the things and ripped them off. The nurse came in and said, what are you doing? I said, I want to get out of here. And I said, you can't. You can't. We're keeping you alive. And, I, I, and anyway, I, I stayed. Thank you, doctor, for your help. But before long, my numbers, my numbers changed immediately from that moment. They began to get better on the machines they put me on the ward back on the uh, the ward just to be taken care of and then not too long after that um, I was sent home. Uh, the following week they asked that they'd said you've got to go back because your heart is so damaged we've got to do an operation on your heart and so I went back the following week they put me on the table ready for the operation and the surgeon and the consultant came they had a A scan machine over my chest, so that they could have a look at it before they started. And they had these four screens, and all I could hear were these voices going, "Oh, hmm." I thought they were speaking a different language, maybe a (laughs) surgeon language, consultant language, something like that. They were going, "Oh, hmm." And then he came. Then Dr. Cook came to my my head, and he said, "Well, that all seems fine." and they took me back to the ward I never had that operation I went back home they told me you'll have a nurse for life and every month I had to go and see this nurse and uh, give a report and she would test me um, do certain tests on me and she, she said to me you know when a heart's been this damaged it never recovers I said to her you're negative aren't you? You know, she said, she said, well, I just like to be real. I like to tell people her heart, this damage never recovered. I said, well, I nearly walked out, actually. You know, I couldn't discharge myself, but I could have walked out of that surgery. And, 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 I, and she actually put in the notes, in my notes, she actually put that, that Paul thought I was being too negative when I told him the condition of his heart. Bless her. Oh, I'd like to pray for her right now that she's just feeling blessed and, and all the rest of it. No, she, she did. And she was just telling me. But I knew I'd been, been healed. I don't have a nurse now. I should have a heart nurse for life, but I don't have one. My consultant um, kept seeing me for a whole year. After a year, he wanted to discharge me earlier, but he didn't. But um, just because of, you know, process. But after a year, he said, Paul, I'm going to discharge you. And these are the words he said. And Jeannie was there. She can confirm. Because your heart is functioning at 100%. Incredible. <laughs> Which just leaves me to say my heart's better than your heart. (laughs) He wrote to me and in his, he said that that all the functions are absolutely normal. So I was healed. My heart, my health was healed. And I could then recover and regain strength from that ordeal. But I left with something that wasn't healed. I left, and I've talked about it before, with post-traumatic stress, PTSD. And that affected my mind. They told me I would have it. I tried to refuse it. I tried to say no in Jesus' name. I'm not having it, but I had it. And I began to panic and my mind was affected. And my mind was affected um, initially when I came out of hospital, I couldn't read. And that was a big deal for me because I usually read about eight books at once. And uh, I've always been a, a huge reader, a huge desire to learn and get information. And uh, <clears throat> so I couldn't, I couldn't read. So the kids bought me golf magazines because there's lots of pictures. <laughs> and I would look at the pictures and then I'd get Jeannie to read for me, which was quite nice at times. And uh, Jeannie would read to me because I couldn't read. But even that, I couldn't couldn't take more than a few minutes of reading. And then I found Audible, Audible, books on Audible. And I still listen to books on Audible because I still can't read like I used to. Um, But the biggest challenge I had, and I've had since that time, has been to pray. I, I found it impossible to pray Not because I didn't want to, not because I was in any way upset or offended with God or had the desire. I had the desire, but I couldn't do it because my brain wouldn't work as the way it had worked. I've prayed since I was 13. Like I prayed some prayers before that, but you know, I didn't know God before then, but I still prayed some prayers. But um, I've prayed since I was 13. And so this was a big shock to me. I had no ability. And I could have had a fixed mindset that says, okay, this is my life. I can't pray, I can't do it. Or I could have had a growth mindset that says I'm gonna find a way. And so for me, and I want to share this with you today, I had to find a new rhythm to pray. And I'm gonna share it with you today because it's my story and it'll help you kind of see what I've said, what I've gone through and where I've come to. I had to find a new rhythm in my life. I'm not sharing this because I think you should do it. Uh, I think you should have your own rhythm and your own pattern in life and find that because it is a relationship with God but this has helped me so much that I would now not go back see I from 13 years of age I've been able to talk to God to pray to God to talk to him wherever I am and say whatever but I had to build a rhythm a pattern in my life that would help me pray so here it is it's got six steps to it and I do this every morning uh, usually before anyone's awake in that house, just because I'm a naturally an early riser So 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.30, this is me. Not because I'm super spiritual, I'm just a naturally early riser. So, number one, I begin by reading Jesus. I've always read Jesus every day, as often as I could. And I love this New Testament experience, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just helps me read Jesus. And I know so many of you now are thinking, I'm going to read Jesus every day. And so number one, I'll take this and I'll just open it to wherever I, I am and I'll just read a little bit of Jesus. And I've always done that, always been able to do that. And then the number two is that I'll reflect. I'll do reflective prayer. I'll try and reflect on what I've read. And as much as I'm able to pray about that, because I'm a follower of Jesus, not just a reader of Jesus. And so I want to pray about what I've read, that God would do that in my life. Or God would make me, like Jesus says, whatever. I'd try and apply it to my life. And then I will read a psalm, and uh, you know this is a new pattern has become a new pattern for me. And what I love about the psalms is that so many of the psalm writers, and of course it's not just David that wrote the psalms. There are other people who write psalms, including people like Moses and and uh, and uh, musicians and so on write these songs and these psalms that actually many of those went through difficult situations and circumstances and they've got this praise to God. You see, what what I love about the story of David and Goliath is that while the soldiers are hearing Goliath taunt them for 40 days, they're hearing Goliath's words, I defy you. David's out in the field worshipping. He's out in the fields worshipping. He's hearing something different. He's hearing the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because he's singing it. He's, he's here in the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of thereof and those that dwell therein because he's singing the songs that he's writing and so the Psalms really help me and then I read a prayer from scripture this is number four a scripture prayer I'm going to give you a little example because there's lots of prayers in scripture um, that are written and so it's easy to find them you can google them and uh, lots of prayers and so I read these prayers from scriptures, but I'm not just reading, I'm praying these prayers because it's the only way I can pray. Imagine that. So this is one of my favourites, Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 to 23. I might not read it all because time's going, but it's amazing. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I might pause and say, Lord, I want to know you better. And I'm done. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He's called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, and His incomparable, there it is again, incomparably great power for us who believe. Lord, I want to know your power in my life. So I pray the scriptures. And then number five, and this has become one of my favorite things, and I'm giving you all my confessions today. I've written some confessions that I say every day of my life. Initially, Um, There were just 13, the 13 on the front, but then I've added some more recently to the back. And these are because I realize I need to hear good things in my life. I can hear Goliath and I can hear fear, but I need to hear some good things in my life. And so I began to say these confessions every day. Jesus will build his church. My God will supply all I need. What a great thing to say over your life every day. I love this one. Today, I will see the goodness of God. I don't know why, but every day, that confession makes me feel good. (laughs) Today, I will see the goodness of God. The next one, my children will be mighty in the land. I felt that God gave me a promise from Psalm 112 verse two years ago. And I've held on to that promise and I still confess in it. My children will be mighty in the land. If Nathan, Josh and Sam could actually agree with that, it'd be fantastic. (laughs) The next one. I am generous, creative, positive, empowering, and passionate. I love that because it's our values as a church. A couple of personal ones then. I make disciples. It's who I am. It reminds me of my purpose. I, make, I develop leaders. It's who I am. I love God, love people, and love life. Reminds me to have fun. Today, I will have an excellent spirit and bring my best. I, I love that. I love them all. I will serve God. And honour him today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It reminds me that even though I make these confessions first thing in the morning, today might not go well. But I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then you will receive power. And that's a moment where I'll pause and I'll pray, Lord, fill me with the Spirit today. I pray that every day of my life. And then I've got some more recent ones that I've just added to this on the back. And I say, because of Jesus, I am chosen I am bold. I expect healing, signs, and wonders today. I am loved. I am unashamedly shame-free. I am not going to be shamed into being shamed. I know that doesn't make any sense, but you get the gist, don't you? I'm unashamedly shame-free. Jesus has took the shame. I'm not taking it back from him. I'm a new creation. I am more than a conqueror. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I usually pause again and pray at that point. I am a child of God. I'm a reaper in God's harvest and I'm anointed for this. I want to, I'm giving you this card, not because I think you should confess these things every day, but because I think you should speak life into your life. And you can find your own confessions, write them out. I I don't use this card, I might now, but I've got them written in the back of my notebook. But you might have some things and there may be some things on there that speak to you. You take them, use them. There's no copyright. They were God's anyway, so I can't really claim copyright. However, if you want to pay me for them. (laughs) No, no, I'm joking. But I say those confessions. I found that incredibly powerful in my life to speak those things over my life every day because my internal dialogue is not always the best. And then the last thing, if I can, is open prayer where I'll pray for anything. And sometimes I still can't. My mind doesn't work like it used to work. But you know... I had the choice, and we have the choice of being set, fixed, or growth. And I believe God's got growth for us. I got to this place because of difficulty, but I want to tell you I would not go back. I would not go. This was a place of desirable difficulty. Did I want it? Would I ask for it? Would I go through it again? Absolutely not. But it led me to this place, and I would not go back. You know, and the Holy Spirit last Monday, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And the reason I'm sharing it, one, because a friend encouraged me to, because I wasn't going to, because I, I'm self-conscious in sharing it. But, but I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me, your pattern is your baton. That actually the way you live, the way you do things, actually for some people that's a baton that helps them to run their race. So what if your biggest challenges could become your greatest breakthrough? What if what you think is your mess actually can become your message? But you find Jesus. You find Jesus as your rock, as your friend, as your fortress, as your comforter, and as your healer. You think it's your mess, but it's going to become your message. It's going to help so many people. What if your setback is really your comeback? What if God wants to force a new rhythm into your life? David found God. He found God when he faced the lion, when he faced the bear, when he faced the giant Goliath. He also was able to find God when he faced himself. And he had that struggle with himself. I want to encourage all of us to find God wherever we are today. Maybe you've let the fire of faith grow cold in your heart. I believe today, maybe you've had a setback in that area of your life. Today's the day for your comeback today's the day for your comeback. Maybe, maybe you've known that. Maybe you felt God calling you back into passionate spirituality and passionate relationship with him. And you've kind of resisted it. Today's your comeback. Your setback is your comeback. Maybe you've lost heart in certain situations. I want to tell you today, Jesus is your rock. He is your fortress. He is your deliverer. He is your healer. And I want to pray in a moment, maybe people as I was saying this telling the story of how I knew I'd been healed I felt it in my body and you think I wish I wish I could be healed in my body I want to pray for you today and this morning we're going to pray in a second maybe you've just been relying on you but today you know that there's a greater power the power of the Holy Spirit you can rely on him why would we rely on limited resources when we have the unlimited resources of the Holy Spirit and a God in heaven in our life Maybe your world has been full of negative, discouraging information and words and things have spoken over your life. It's time for you to speak life. To have some confessions that you know is what God says about you and speak them into your life. To overturn overturn the seeds of negativity that have been thrown within you and to speak the life of God. I believe God wants to to do that. And I I believe it's powerful. And the reason I believe it's powerful is because right at the beginning of the book, the first thing we learn about how God changes things is and God said. And God said. And so I love that praise report this morning about, I was so thankful for God's word because I found myself in a place where I felt I've got imposter syndrome, but I just kept remembering God's word because God spoke healing. I want to pray and then we're going to worship and Gavin will close the service. So would you stand? Because I'd love to pray for us. And, and I, my, my goal today is, I hope something will really strengthen you, help you, encourage you, set you on a course forward. People came to me after the early service today and they, they were saying, I've been struggling to pray that is so helpful, such a revelation. One person came to me and said, in fact, I said to somebody before the service, I've really been struggling to pray. And uh, and the person knew what I was talking about and said, well, wait for the message. Like, like, you'd think there was a God, wouldn't you, when things like that happen? Oh, incredible. Father, I pray for each and every one of us. We're in all our locations, Chesterfield, Sheffield, Derby, but we're also online. And, just at this moment in your presence, we know you are a good God. Forgive us for doubting that, God, and f- forgive us for not being aware sometimes, but you are a good God, and you have good things for us. And so I ask you in this moment where people are suffering with sickness, Lord, let them feel the power of God like I felt the power of God. healing come in Jesus name may they feel the power of God in their bodies may strength come to their limbs to their hearts to their wherever they're suffering Father God today in Jesus name and Lord where we need a new rhythm and we need to to step back in and have that come back God would you lead us into that today I ask in Jesus name I thank you when we think about a hero Lord of faith like David today who had such great challenges, not just from the lion or the bear or the Goliath, but in himself. I thank you there's hope for every one of us. That wherever we've been, wherever we are, whatever we've done, we can still walk in your purposes. That it's not over, there's more for us. God's purpose is not finished in our lives. There's growth for us in Jesus name and even though we've been through some things that we feel limit actually you can take the lid off And we declare that today in the mighty name of Jesus come on church if you believe it say amen and give God some praise and let's worship we hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church if you'd like any more information about Icon Church log on to our website at www.icon.church have the best week